Would you guys stand? Good morning. Let's let's uh, just jump right into worship this morning.
so grateful that we have this place to just be together in your presence. Lord, there's no other place we'd rather be. God, thank you for your incredible love for us. Lord, consume us. We're so grateful for who you are. We give you this time of worship and praise. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. You guys, you guys okay? It's good to see you all. Good. My name is Zach Foley. I'm the worship pastor here, and just want to give you a welcome. It's great to see you all. Let's continue to let's continue to worship. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the only 
this powerful truth together. Death cannot hold you. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the voice of sin and grave. The heavens are rolling. The praise of your glory for you. Good morning, Renovation Church. Thanks, Zach. I appreciate you leading us today. My name's Tim Wilson. I'm one of the leaders of, I'm the leader of one of the Sunday night house groups here at Renovation Church. We're so glad you're here. If you're visiting with us for the first time today, a special welcome to you. We're delighted that you're here with us today. Well, if you've been coming to Renovation Church for a while and you would consider this your church home, then I want you to encourage you to take two steps if you haven't already. One, I want you to sign up and try a house group. House group is the cornerstone of community here at Renovation Church. It's the heart and soul of what a lot of what we do here. So try it out. That's number one. Number two, uh, sign up and, and help here. Uh, sign up and serve. Jump in and, and serve with us. There's so many ways that you can do that. And I want to have you watch this video and hear about some more of them from Pastor Josh. 
Hey everyone, my name is Josh Pollard. I'm the Adult Ministries Pastor here at Renovation Church. Did you know every Sunday we've got 143 different people volunteering in various ways around this church? That's everything from the cafe to the parking team to the greeters and even the Renovation Kids Ministry. And you know what? We'd love for you to jump in and serve with us. See, when we serve together, we create a very welcoming environment where people can come hear about the good news of Jesus, many for the very first time. We create this space where both adults and kids can come encounter God without distraction. And together, when we serve, we become more like Jesus, who himself was a servant king. The Bible says in 1 Peter, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. It goes on to say, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. We often say here at Renovation that Renovation Church is not a cruise ship, it's a rowboat. So pick up an oar and help us row. We would love for you to check out all the different ministry team opportunities we have and pick one and jump in. Grab your oar and I'll see you on the rowboat. Well, when you walked in today, you found some information on your chair, a, a little card you can fill out, some other information about our different ways that you can serve. And I just want to encourage you to fill out one of those cards. You can drop it in the box at the back of the room labeled a connection card and offering. You can also fill it out online or through our Renovation Church app. But let's pick up an oar and let's, uh, let's join in. Well, if you're new around here and want to learn a little bit more about Renovation Church and what we're all about, this you've picked a good Sunday because right after this service, we have a 10-minute Renovation Rundown meeting, and it's just a great chance to meet Pastor David, learn a little bit more about our church, what we believe in, what we're all about, um, and you can you can join that meeting in the room immediately and send the child-parent room right outside the worship center here uh, just for 10 minutes after the service. If your kids are in children's ministries right now, you can just uh, leave them there. Uh, for those 10 minutes. You have to pick them up after that, though. Okay, so just 10 minutes, just 10 minutes, and then you can pick them up and be on your way. Um, We are, uh, oh, when you came in today, you were handed a bulletin, and so this is another thing that we do every week. On the side of the bulletin, we call it our connection card. You can tear it off and fill it out. If you filled one out before, you can just write your name on it, Uh, but if you haven't, then we just love to learn a little bit more about you. Again, turn that, tear that off. You can drop it in the box in the back of the room. You can also go digital, take a picture, pull out your phone, uh, point it at that QR code, and fill it out online as well. Well, we're going to enter into a time of offering now, and I just want to highlight Shine in the World Ministries with our friend Sammy Wagnoni. Sammy's been a great friend to Renovation Church over the years. He's spoken here many times. We've actually been to Rwanda with Sammy and Shine in the World on three different occasions, and we not only so not only do we go on the on missions trips with Sammy, but we support them financially. Shine on the World Ministries has been in 24 different countries, and just last summer they had an amazing event here in St. Paul where many people came to faith for the first time. 54 people were baptized at that on that night. And so it's just an amazing ministry. And, and so some of your giving uh, goes to Shine in the World. And so I just... It's so exciting to see uh, your giving have an impact locally as well as globally. And that's what uh, one of the things that you do when you give to Renovation Church. So let me pray for the offering. Lord, thanks so much for your vision and the mission that you've put in front of us. And I just pray that we would be faithful to that mission and uh, and just help us to see how we can plug in and encourage us to give generously uh, so that your kingdom uh, can be brought here. In Jesus' name, amen.
Uh, my name is David Soren. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Hey, we are in the final week of a three-week series called Exiles, Pilgrims, and Ambassadors. And each week we've been talking about how really each one of these three identities is critical for us if we're going to deepen our understanding of who we are as Christians in this crazy, crazy world that we live in. And today's identity, our third and final one, is important if you want to understand God's mission for you on this earth, because God absolutely has important work for you, and we're going to talk about that as we talk about being an ambassador today. Okay, so let's start with just a common definition of ambassador. An ambassador is essentially this. It is a person who is an authorized and sent messenger in a foreign land. And so, for example, uh, if you go around the world, America has an American ambassador in almost every country around the world. And these appointed ambassadors have been authorized by the president, and they've been sent to a foreign land to both represent America and also to bring America's unique message to that foreign country. That's an ambassador. But as we've done every week, we want to look not only at the definition, but really how does the Bible use this particular word? So let's do that together. Uh, Everybody grab a Bible. There's a Bible under the chair in front of you, or maybe you brought your own, but we want you looking at something as we study God's word here. Uh, We're going to be on page 790 if you're using the Bibles here. Uh, we today will be reading from the Apostle Paul's second letter uh, to the Corinthians. If you've never heard of Paul, Paul was one of the early leaders in the Christian church. He wrote uh, much of the New Testament, actually, of the Bible. And we're going to be in chapter 5, where Paul starts out that chapter talking about how this world is not our, not our home. And he says in verse 11, we must persuade others of that fact. And we're going to join him today at verse 14. So you look for that little number 14 in chapter 5, and that's where we're going to start. Okay, here's what Paul says. He says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, let's start talking through this passage. And specifically, let's start talking through how we can live out this unique Christian identity. So we're going to talk through how to live as an ambassador. So if you're taking notes today, uh, we'll start with number one here. If you want to take a picture of this or write it down, I encourage you to. So how to live as an ambassador. Here's number one. Let Christ's love compel you. Okay, so if you, if you were to take a while and you study this passage that we just went through, really the height of Paul's argument is verse 20, that we are Christ's ambassadors. We are sent as representatives of Jesus, as exiles in this foreign culture, 
to help reconcile people to God. But look where Paul starts his argument. That's verse 14. It's the beginning of our passage. He says, what does it? Christ's love compels us. So what drives us to be ambassadors? To tell people that they can be saved by Jesus, that they can be reconciled by God, that he would no longer count people's sins against them. That was verse 19. What drives us to boldly do such a thing? Paul says, it's the love of Christ that does that. Uh, Do you know what Hudson Taylor was? Uh, If you don't, Hudson Taylor was a really famous, amazing missionary. Uh, Millions of Christians in China today can probably trace back their spiritual heritage to this man, Hudson Taylor, who bravely went to China to bring the gospel when so few would. In fact, if you're looking for something to read, like an inspiring biography, per se, uh, let me recommend to you a Roger Steers biography of Hudson Taylor. Awesome. One of my favorite missionary uh, biographies. But Hudson Taylor, uh, he started the China Inland Mission, sent hundreds of missionaries to China. And so he often would interview missionaries, and he'd always ask, which makes sense, okay, what, what's leading you to become a missionary? Why do you want to become a missionary? He said people would always say things like, I want to go because Christ has commanded us to go into the world and preach the gospel to all nations. Or they would say something like, I want to go because millions are perishing without Christ. Fine answers, right? But Hudson Taylor would say this to them. And this is from one of his writings. He said, all of these motives, however good, and they're biblical motives, right? They're they're literally quoting the scriptures. But he says, all of them will fail you in times of testings, trials, tribulations, and possible death. There is but one motive that will sustain you in trial and testing, namely the love of Christ. And so what will actually move you to go out and reach your friends and coworkers for Christ. The word of God says it's Christ's love that will do that, not duty. Now, duty is fine. Duty is important as a Christian. Obedience is necessary as a Christian. But the deepest, most important motivator that you need is love. So this is 14 and 15. So let's study these two verses again, if you have it on your lap still. Paul writes, for Christ's love compels us. Because, because, this is important, we are convinced that one died, that's Jesus, for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So it says Christ's love compels us. You know, compel is to like drive you forward, right? Christ's love compels you to be an ambassador. How? What does it say? Because he died for you, right? The fact that Jesus would look at the mess of my life and all of my imperfections and still somehow say, that man, I want that man in my family. And I will die to bring him into it. Come on now, right? Or the fact that he would look at you and see your hatred and your your jealousy and your anger and say, that woman, I want to adopt her into my family and I will die to make it happen. Okay, when you understand that, when that moves beyond a concept to your heart, you no longer live for yourself, as our passage says. You want to represent the Savior and his love, right? And so as Christians, our goal then is to die to being in charge ourselves and to live for Christ. We say this often, that he died for us, and so we want to live for him. We're his ambassadors now. And it's his love for us and other people. That is what compels us to do it, okay? 
Okay, so let's move to the second point that Paul makes for being an ambassador in Christ and how we do this. So this is in 16 and 17. So let's take a look at those two verses again. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. That means they've been born again. They're a new person. The old is gone. The new is here. Okay, here's a second way to live for Christ as an ambassador. Number two is this. Regard no one from a worldly point of view. So this this point is going to help you not get distracted. So you can focus on your mission of being an ambassador. And I think these verses and this point are so critical for our culture in America right now. Because we live in a world where we're told to label everyone. You know, I think of a critical theory, and it's many different variations, or uh, intersectionality. Uh, These are becoming prevailing theories in much of the secular world right now. And even if you're kind of only vaguely familiar with those philosophies are all about, you might know enough to know that they necessitate that we must always be thinking about each other's differences and the many identities that could place each of us in a different category, like race and gender and political party and ethnicity and sexual preference and class and disability and on and on and on. And what's happening is this. Because we're putting such an immense focus on these things, you're literally watching the fracturing of society in front of your eyes because of all of the different ways that we're now taught to primarily perceive or identify someone by. But Paul says to the Christians in the Word of God, he says, but you, we regard, us, that's us, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. See, to the Christian, there are really only two ways worth identifying someone by, and it's this. Are they saved by Christ, or are they not? Are they a new creation, or are they not? Now, that's not to say that those other things don't exist. That's not to say that they don't matter. That's not to say that we shouldn't talk about them and dialogue about them. But God's word explicitly says that those categories are not how we are to primarily regard or perceive someone by. You can see this even more clearly in Galatians uh, chapter 3. Paul talks about the children of God. Now watch how he lumps them together. Galatians 3.28, he says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, right? These ethnicity pieces. There's neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, the group of new creations, right? And here's what happens. If you live out Christian doctrine, and you live out your Christian identity, and you remember, okay, we're, we're together. We're exiles in this, former, in this foreign culture. We are pilgrims on a short journey. This world is not our home. You will remember, you'll be able to focus on that all of those other identities that the world has become so obsessed with that they don't matter in eternity. Think about it. They won't matter a million years from now. And so as ambassadors for Christ, we cannot get distracted. We cannot get caught up in the world's obsession with divisions. Because we don't look through worldly lenses, through a worldly point of view. We look through the glasses of eternity. 
And so while everyone else is sort of elevating all the worldly divisions between us, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Our primary concern is always, do they know Christ or do they not? Okay, let's take a look. Third point now of being an ambassador. We want to remember, remember, remember. You want to know, know, know. What does an ambassador actually do? What is an ambassador? Do you really understand it? Because God wants you to be an ambassador. You can't be an ambassador if you don't really understand what it is, right? So what was it? Remember, the ambassador is someone they've been authorized. They've been empowered. They've been sent by their leader to bring a message to a foreign land. And if you're a Christian, that's you, right? That's sort of the height of the message, if you will. Verse, verse 20, that you are Christ's ambassadors. God, just let the heaviness of this hit you for a second. God has chosen you to be his ambassador. He has chosen, the scripture says, to make his appeal to the world, to reconcile people to him through you. There's something about that that ought to make you kind of like sit up straight in your chair, right? In Philippians 3, we're told, Paul says that as Christians... Our citizenship is in heaven. You put those things together, and therefore, you realize that we are here on this earth as ambassadors. And we're not here, first and foremost, to fulfill our own dreams and longings, to get a nice home, to help our kids succeed in sports, to find happiness from our family. We are first and foremost ambassadors of the king who has sent us with a message. And ambassadors have to give an account, right? The king is going to ask you someday, whose interests did you represent in your short time on earth? Mine or your own? In 2 Timothy, Paul uses the metaphor of a soldier for the Christian life, and he writes this. He says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. You are here, sent as an ambassador for the commander-in-chief in heaven. The commanding king has sent you. Don't get distracted in earthly affairs. Okay, think about real-life ambassadors. Imagine if the president sends an ambassador uh, to someplace in Asia or Africa or somewhere else, and let's just say that ambassador spends all of their time in their country not working with the locals there, but just trying to build up their own dreams and longings. Right, it wouldn't work. They'd lose their job. Or, or what if, on the opposite end of the spectrum, what if the ambassador gets highly involved there, but with the locals, with that foreign culture, and trying to build up their agenda instead of the agenda of the United States? We're still going to probably lose their job, right? It's not what they're meant to do. And this is where I think remembering the identity of an ambassador is so important. Uh, let me explain this a bit further from uh, a story in history. Uh, during the Reagan administration, uh, the Secretary of State was a, a man by the name of George Shultz. And in, in, uh, in the American government, the president sends the uh, ambassadors, appoints them, but they report to the Secretary of State. And so uh, George Schultz, the Secretary of State, always had this thing when there was a new ambassador that come into his office, and he would talk to them for a while, and then he always had this thing where he would send them over to this huge globe in his office, and he would spin it around, and he would ask them to identify, he said, hey, before we send you out, we're going to check things here, I want you to identify your country on the globe. 
And they would always go around and spin the globe, and they would point to the country to which they were being sent. And he said it was literally years before someone got the question right. It was a man who was being sent as an ambassador to Japan. He walks over to the globe, spins it, and he points right to the United States, and he says, that's my country. And the Secretary of State said, you bet it is. Right? As a Christian, you are first and foremost not a representative of this culture. You are a representative of the King of Kings. You are a citizen of heaven. You represent him in what you say and how you live and how you act. Like when people in foreign countries, when they meet the American ambassador, they often, from their interactions with him or from her, they deduce and they go, oh, that, that's what Americans must be like. And the same sort of thing is happening with your Christian faith. For a watching world, you are a representative of Jesus Christ. So like we said two weeks ago, listen, not everyone may read the Bible, but they will read your life. And from your life, they're making guesses on what Jesus is all about. Remember, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And to me, this brings us all to a really important fourth point. And the fourth point is this. Actually live it out. If we're going to be ambassadors, we have to live this out. I mean, seriously. Okay, we just did verses 14 through 21. What's the point of this text? Let me tell you what the point is not. The application of this text is not for you to go, okay, I'm ready. If I got tested someday on what an ambassador is in the scripture, I could pass it. Right? But this is what we do in the Bible-believing church in America. We get overly obsessed with knowledge. Now, one of the things that's happening here as a church, as you can just look around in this room, right? And this church is growing exponentially fast. And one of the things that I know is happening as I talk to people is there are a lot of people who come here and they say, we love this church because it is a Bible-teaching church. But if that's you, I want you to hear something from me. That's great that you love that. But hear me, the end goal of your apprenticeship to Jesus is not knowledge. The great Bible teacher Howard Hendricks once explained it this way. I hope this is helpful for you. He said, the mark of spiritual maturity is not how much you understand, but how much you use. In the spiritual realm, the opposite of ignorance is not knowledge, but obedience. Okay, so it means nothing if you leave here today and you get in the car and you're talking with your friends or your spouse and you go, wow, that was a good teaching on ambassadors. I, I felt like I learned a lot today. And you just go on with your life. That's, we, we're failing as a group of people, as a church, if that's what's happening. We need to remember James chapter 1, verse 22. What's the warning to us? He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. So how can we do this? How can we actually live out our calling as ambassadors, not just say, I learned about ambassadors today? Well, I will tell you that you need a strategy. You actually need a strategy. Ambassadors don't just go to a foreign country, show up and go, I hope someone notices me. And yet that's kind of how we do this in Christianity. Like, I hope someone asks me someday. You need, no, you need a, an actual strategy. I would say you really need two strategies. You need a strategy both to invite people to church 
And you also need a strategy to personally share the gospel with people on your own. So the first part, the inviting people to church strategy, it absolutely works. We see people give their lives to Christ because a friend or family member brought them here almost every week. I encourage you to use it. In fact, let me give you an opportunity for this. Three weeks from this morning, uh, February 6th, we are going to start an absolutely huge series. It's just five weeks, but huge in its magnitude uh, and what we think God's going to do through it uh, called Life's Biggest Questions. And what we're going to do for five weeks is I'm going to cover the five biggest, most foundational questions that people have that shape entire worldviews. And it's going to be really deep, but I also think it's going to be so helpful to anyone who's just legitimately seeking answers in life. And so start praying about that. Who could you bring to that series? And we'll tell you more about that series in the coming weeks. So have a strategy for inviting people here. But also realize, and I'm not afraid to say this, over 50% of the people who live in the city are never going to walk through the doors of a church. That's a changing landscape of our culture. They're just not. And so pastors can't be the only ambassadors for Christ. We're all ambassadors for Christ, right? And you can reach people that I will never meet, people that will never come here. In fact, let me give you a real practical and helpful method for how you can think about being an ambassador to your friends and family. Uh, This is called the CPR method. I encourage you to take a photo of this or write this down because I I I want this to be in your heart. CPR method of being an ambassador is this. Number one, you want to cultivate relationships. So you're working on relationship building with your non-Christian friends. Okay? So... Not that it doesn't work to share Jesus with strangers. I think sometimes people are too hard on that method. I share Jesus with strangers every week. I I don't know a lot of you, right? I'm sharing about Jesus with you. The Lord can work through that. But we also know that the more you can develop a relationship, a friendship, that it's, the, the ground becomes cultivated, right? It becomes, the heart becomes softer to hear the word of God. And so you want a strategy for this. Christians, we have, we've been saying this so much the last two months. We have got to be out in the world, right? And so if you have neighbors that don't know Christ, invite them over for dinner. Uh, listen, to everyone whose home has to be perfect like Joanna Gaines, it doesn't need to be to have, just order dominoes and have them come over, right? And say, listen, my kids are crazy. It always looks like this. Yes, right? That's fine. But let's be ambassadors, Okay. Uh, if you have coworkers that don't know Christ, go out to lunch with them, right? If you have a sibling that doesn't know Christ and they maybe need some help with some things at their house, go and work on a project with them. You're cultivating relationships to soften the ground for what will come later. The second piece is P. You're planting seeds and talking about how God is moving in your life. So the best ambassadors talk about God naturally, Okay, you don't have to be this amazing, now let me go through seven Bible verses with you. And no, because if you go to your friend and you're just, you know, one day in conversation, you say, <clears throat> I need to tell you something. Did you know that your sin is incurring the wrath of God? And that, it's just not, okay, maybe, but probably not, right? And so you just need to work on talking about God naturally. And so it, it, it looks like this. So you might say, oh, my son has been so sick lately, but, not, but he's just getting better, and I'm just so thankful to God that he's actually getting better. You know what I mean? What's been going on with you lately? You see what I did? 
I just, I said, I talked about God. I'm saying what I believe, but I didn't say the wrath of God is coming for you. They're just talking, right? If someone, you go to work this week and someone says, hey, what did you do yesterday? What's going on? You said, oh, I went to my house group from my church. I love it. The people there are amazing. They just lift me up. It helps me grow in my faith. It's cool. What do you do? I'm not being awkward. I'm just sharing my life by talking about God. Or if you're talking with a friend about how life has been hard, and they're kind of being vulnerable with you, you might just say to them, yeah, I feel like I've just been going the wrong way, messing up lately, but I'm thankful that God forgives me. That just keeps me going. I mean, what about you? I'm just little things. And all that I'm doing is I'm just planting seeds because God's ambassadors, they very intentionally, very frequently, but not abrasively, just planting seeds all the time into that cultivated ground. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. And I'm somehow, I am dancing on stage. This is a Baptist church. I'm going to get in trouble. Or so. Okay, listen. So you cultivate, you plant all the time, and then when you see something begin to sprout, you reap, okay? And so when someone says to you, you know, you said to me the other day, something I've just been thinking about. You said something about you believe that God forgives you. What, what do you mean by that? Boom, you are in, right? You, it is reaping time, right? You've been working maybe a year on this. You can't go, oh, I don't know, let's talk about something else. This is your opportunity that you might not have again for two years. So you reap, you share the gospel. You explain what it is that we believe. You hear me say it every week, okay? And you, you explain to them. Or someone says, you're always talking about your church and this house group thing and like, what, is, what, what are you guys about? Boom, you are moving in. You are reaping. Cultivate, plant, reap. Uh, by the way, if over the last couple of months as we've been talking about this, you're like, I want to do this. I see that God has called me to be not of the world, but in the world. I, I want to do this, but I just don't, I honestly don't know a lot of people that aren't Christians. I want you to be here next week because next week I'm going to give you some amazing, real life, tangible options where you can get involved right here in our community and start and have relationships with non-believers. So be here for that. Okay, church, listen. This is our task, to be ambassadors, right? God has called us to this. We cannot come here every single week and just take some notes and grow in our own faith while the city around us perishes that, perishes around us. I will not lead a church like that. This is not a Christian club where we can all grow in our own faith. We have a mission, and it's to reach the people around us. God has a call on your life. He has empowered you for a mission. He has specifically put people into your life that you can reach to help reconcile them to God. We can turn this city upside down if we live this out. If we own this, if we say we're done with this Christian consumerism thing, we're all just sort of podcast Christianity for our own. If we say we're done with this, we're not consumers, we're renovators. We're here to bring change. We're ambassadors. We're not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. Listen, almost every single week, I get the amazing, amazing opportunity to be in the follow-up room, and I'm standing there next, very often next to someone from our church who has tears of joy in their eyes as they're standing next to their friend or family member that just gave their life to Christ. And I would say to all of you, let that be you. Trust God 
for some bigger things in your life. Remember who you are. You're not just another person in this culture. You are an exile. You are a pilgrim on a short journey. You are an ambassador, and God has given you a message. Let's get to it, all right? All right, let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word that you, you shape for us, you mold for us who we are to be, that we aren't to be just like everyone in this culture. You have a distinct, a direct mission for us. God, give us the boldness and the courage to live it out. And God, we pray for this city. There are so many that are lost and depressed and they don't know you and they won't know you and they won't be saved by you, God, unless we go. Send us out. Give us boldness to cultivate, to plant, to reap. And would you just use this church and these people, God? It's in your name we pray. Amen.
You can, you can have a quick seat, just, just for a minute. Before we head out, I just want to take just two or three minutes, and I, w- I want to lead us through the very last verse of our passage. So the last verse was this, verse 21. It says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, in some ways, this is a verse that we really, in a sense, almost talk about every week. It's saying that God loves you so much that as we just saying about that, he sees you. He sees all of you. And he knows you. And yet somehow, he loves you through and through, even through seeing all of your sin. So much so that he sent his son, Jesus, who had no sin. He was perfect. But God put Jesus where we belonged, on the cross, And all of our sin goes upon Jesus. So that's the scripture verse. God made him who had no sin, he's perfect, to be sin. All all of our sin is on him. But when we believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness is like perfection, holiness. So when you place your faith in Jesus, that he died for you, there's a very unfair deal that's happening. It's a deal you don't deserve. Jesus gets your sin put upon him, and you get his righteousness and his perfection put upon you. And so therefore, when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son so that you could be forgiven and reconciled, made right with God. And that happens not when you get your life together. It happens when you look to the Son of God and you say, I believe this. I believe that you took my sin. I believe you died for me. I want to make you my Savior and the leader of my life. And if you just need to do that today, and it's just hitting you like a ton of bricks, or maybe you've just been slowly thinking about it for the last three months, I urge you to tell Jesus today that you believe this, that he is your savior and your leader. In fact, what I'm going to do right now is I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer of commitment to Jesus, if you will. And if you're praying this for the very first time, I want you to just pray it silently. You don't have to say it out loud, but just from your heart, repeat, sort of say it to Jesus with me. Let me pray. Dear God, I love you. I believe that you did send your son, Jesus. And I believe that you sent him for me, that you see me and you know me, and yet you sent him to die for me. God, I believe in that. And I want to follow you. I want to be forgiven by you. God, I give you my life. As everyone still has their eyes closed, If you said that this morning to Jesus from your heart for the very first time, you can trust that Jesus Christ is forgiving you, that you are being made right with him. And if that's you and you did that for the very first time today, so we can know that you did, and as a way to just mark that moment in your life, 
would you just for five or ten seconds, would you just raise your hand up in the air and say, yeah, I prayed that for the very first time today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up and say, that was me. Anyone in here that just prayed that for the first time today? Would you just raise your hand up? All right. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, what I want you to do is our follow-up team will be down here after the service right here in the front. Uh, And we want to get you some extremely important resources so you can follow Jesus. Even if you just didn't raise your hand right now, if you're going, I want to do this, but I don't know what to do next. They're going to stand right here in the front, and I want you to come up and meet with them. All right, everybody, if you haven't opened your eyes, you can open your eyes. As we head out here today, Really, there's a number of places, uh, things that are happening you can go. If you just made a decision for Jesus, I want you to meet the follow-up team right down here. We are doing baptisms next week. And so if you haven't been baptized yet as a new believer, we want you to do that. You can go to a meeting right now and get baptized next week. Pastor Josh, who you saw on video earlier, will be over by the office door waving. Find him. Just go to the 10 or 15 meeting now, and let's do this, okay? And if you're new around here, Renovation Rundown is in the parent-child room in about 60 seconds. So a lot of people going everywhere. If you're not going anywhere, I'll be here next week, okay? All right, have a good week. See ya. Bye.